Are you a busy woman who at times struggles with reducing your daily stress? Do you know that you need to slow down but do not know how? If you're looking at reducing your daily stress, you're in the right place. My name is Denise Eckert and I welcome you to the Calm Your Daily Stress podcast. I just love interviewing guests so they can share their stress-reducing tips and techniques with you. Now, if you find this podcast helpful, please share it with someone who struggles with stress because lowering our stress will make us a better person, a happier partner, mom, friend, neighbor, etc. And the best part is happiness is contagious. Enjoy this episode. Hi there, my name is Denise Eckert and I'm from the Relaxation Lounge. And I love coming on here and sharing different tips and techniques to help you reduce the stress in your life. Now today I've got Kamini Wood. She's a certified professional coach and she helps people take the courageous steps to identify their limiting beliefs, the reasons for their stagnation or feelings of not enoughness, so they can have what they want professionally and personally to live a full life. So welcome. Thank you, Denise. I'm excited to be here with you. Now, can you explain to us how you got to where you are and doing what you're doing right now? I will, and I'll try to do it as succinctly as possible because uh, it, it was not a linear path. So I originally started off in the business world. I was part of the dot-com industry way back when, when it first started booming. Uh, I, I was a project manager. And um, over time, I ended up moving forward to managing my husband's law practice. And in context of that, I essentially was human resources. I mean, well, in all honesty, I was all the things, but I was really human resources and helping the assistants and the paralegals, the other attorneys that we brought on really, truly live into what they wanted to do. That was professional. Now, in my personal world, something that I was dealing with was uh, letting go of being a people pleaser and an overfunctioner. And um, I am a high achiever and I'm a perfectionist. And I say letting go of it because I'm also a mom of five. At the same time that I was moving forward professionally in, in that area, on a personal level, my kids were getting older and I was starting to see them become people pleasers. And they're all pretty high performing individuals. And so that perfectionism was already starting to take hold. In those moments, I realized, wow, they're mirroring back myself, right? So I realized that I needed to go through my own self-transformation, my own journey to let go of those limiting beliefs of needing to overdo or overgive in order to be, quote unquote, enough. So when I did that work and I coupled it with my professional work, I realized, wow, I'm really called to pay this forward and to help others on their journey of letting go of those limiting beliefs in order to live into what they truly want, whether it be in a professional context or a personal one. Wonderful. Now, being a people pleaser, that is so hard to get away from, especially as a woman. And especially if you grew up in the culture that, you know, basically you come second, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody needs Mm -hmm. to be taken care of. So what what limiting beliefs did you find that people had that they needed to deal with? Yeah, so a lot of times the limiting belief that we uncover with people pleasing is, yes, I'm not enough, or I have to prove my worth in order to be loved, or sometimes it's even I'm not lovable, right? So I people pleasing will come from a place of let me give to others, let me make sure they're happy with me because that's how I can access love. Without it, I'm unlovable. So those are those main false beliefs that come with this idea of, or with the the practice of people pleasing. In my context, I was brought up um, in a predominantly white community. My parents were immigrants. And so for me, it was all about not rocking the boat, not being the 
you know, causing an issue for other people, whether it be my parents or others. And so my people pleasing came from, well, I don't, I need to prove that I'm, I'm good enough to be part of this, this group of people. And also not being, a, yeah, a, a troublemaker. Yeah. You know, a, not being a burden, <laughs> yeah, not being a burden. <laughs> so now what are the biggest things that you find people struggle with in, in making that change? It, um, it's hard to make a change unless you are aware of it, right? So I will routinely say to people, awareness is that doorway to change. Unless you become aware of the thing, you can't really fix it or you can't change it. And so for me, I didn't become aware of it. I was part of my makeup all throughout my life. I didn't become aware of it until my children actually mirrored it back to me. And then it was, I'm aware of it. Now am I willing to take the actions to move forward? And it's not to say that I'm completely um, over it. I was just actually doing a talk right before we got on for this call. And one of the people was uh, on that call joked with me and said, you say, I'm sorry a lot. And I said, I know I'm still working on it. (laughs) (laughs) It's always a work in progress and being kind to ourselves and recognizing they're going to be layers, right? It's not about becoming um, perfect at it or immune to having these things pop back up. It's just recognizing it in a shorter amount of time and being willing to make the shifts that you need to make. And what about perfectionism? Because perfectionism is something that has a lot of different faces. It does have a lot of different faces. There's also extrinsic perfectionism and intrinsic, meaning, you know, we want ourselves to be perfect, or sometimes we believe that others need to be perfect. So I think some of it, a lot of us deal with different aspects of it. Again, perfectionism comes from maybe the fear of failure, or that if I don't get this right, once again, it's the false belief of I'm not good enough, or I'm not worthy, or um, I don't belong, I don't fit in, whatever the that false belief may be, it it bleeds into or it has its roots maybe in that idea of I need to get this perfectly right or it's not okay. And I find too, I know for myself with perfectionism, it's almost, it is a form of self-sabotage. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I've talked about this a few times because I am starting up, you know, the business and, you know, nothing's perfect. Nothing ever will be perfect. But I just sometimes have a problem stepping over the line with what I've got because of that fear of failure. Absolutely. So if you um, never so start, sa- you never fail, you, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it, well, it's so funny because if you never start, you never fail, but then you still kind of fail because you didn't start. <laughs> so it is, it's a self-sabotage. It's just that cycle. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Perfectionism is a form of self-sabotage. We keep ourselves stuck in our in that um that what were people refer to as a fixed mindset or the box. And then we don't ever step out into that, that growth area of what's possible. Yeah. So now our talk today is the importance of self-compassion. Now, mm-hmm. can you describe what you think self-compassion is? Yeah. So um, I honestly never even knew self-compassion was a thing until I started to do this work. Kristen Neff is the lead researcher on self-compassion. For me, it's about choosing kindness over judgment. So as a perfectionist, it is very common for myself and for others to let that inner critic take hold, that judge saboteur, if you will. And so self-compassion really dives into this idea of even when something doesn't go the way that we want it to go, instead of going into judgment of self, it's being kind to ourselves and recognizing that we can still take pieces that we've learned from whatever we just experienced, and we can allow ourselves to grow from it and learn from it. The other elements of self-compassion I think are really important are recognizing that we're not alone. 
I know Brene Brown talks a lot about being vulnerable with our inner circle, the people that we really trust. Self-compassion leans into this idea as as well, that as we experience something, we could feel isolated and feel like we're the only person experiencing it. But it's really important to recognize this idea of common humanity, that other people have had similar experiences, and it's okay to lean on them to ask them maybe how they dealt with it or how did they face whatever challenge it is. And then, of course, that third pillar of self-compassion, which is mindfulness and being in the present moment. It's, again, so easy to ruminate on the past and to, you know, I should have, I could have done this and what would have happened. And we could continually go back over the past. But what's true is that we can't undo what's happened. You know, we can't unexperience the things we've un- that we've experienced. We can't unhear them. Instead, it's about being in this present moment. And what do we choose to do now? How can we take whatever we've experienced and help ourselves grow through it rather than continue to try to relive whatever happened in the past? And also, it's about not future tripping, right? Not over worrying about the future because it hasn't even happened yet. And so many of us spend a lot of energy overthinking about what's going to happen. And self-compassion brings us right back into what's happening in my here and now. It doesn't mean we don't set goals for the future, but what it does is it, it we don't overthink it. We don't over-ruminate. And so we're in this moment right here and right now. Now, as a coach, do you have any practices or techniques that you use with your clients to help them get over that hump? So for me personally, um, I really believe in emotional safety and the importance of our emotions. Uh, I think a lot of, a lot of times we as humans tend to run away from our emotions because we don't want to feel the negative, the negative feelings. And instead I really work with my clients on shifting the thoughts around emotions and recognizing that they are just they're data packets. They are just messages telling us something that we need or something that um, we're, we're not just needing, but maybe that we desire. And so when we can look at it with that, that opens the door to self-compassion because now we're understanding ourselves on a deeper level. And so from that place, we can then get to that place of, of kindness over judgment. You know, okay, so this is what I'm feeling and this is what I'm needing. How can I, how can I focus on that? versus allowing the judge saboteur to take over and tell us how bad and wrong we are. Now, I just got to pop this question in because I've been thinking about this. So how is it working with changing your your children's mindset from being a people pleaser to being more open? Yeah. You know, it's very interesting because I will, I still will question that and ask myself, how are they showing up? What I have noticed, especially, so they range in age. My youngest is nine and my oldest is about to turn 21. Um, The jury's out on the nine-year-old, not totally sure yet. But I will say that my teenagers, I have noticed a difference in how they show up in their friendships. Like for instance, my 16-year-old daughter is really well-versed at this point in recognizing what her boundaries are and being able to say no to her friends without feeling like, she has to go along with it in order to fit in. And for me, that's a huge win in terms of letting go of the people pleasing because people pleaser, if she, if she was still leaning into that, that personality trait really heavily, you know, it would be really easy to just go along with whatever the crowd's doing. And she has really been able to, because she's got a rising junior at this point, she's been able to really put in into place what works for her and what doesn't. And sometimes it's not a popular decision with her friend group. And she's learned to just almost come to radical acceptance. You know, not everybody's going to be happy with the choice that I made, but am I happy with it? 
So in, I would say we're getting there. It's not perfect, <laughs> but I'll say that that's definitely a shift. Yeah, that's great to hear, you know, because a lot of, well, that's a, that's a hard age too, because they want to fit in. So it's not even people pleasing. It's also a social. It's like this, when they're fitting, it's like that social norm, right? It's the social norm. We're, we're trying so hard to be part of the group. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. So if, if someone's listening and they resonate with this, what are steps that they can take to shift things? Right now, I would say, yeah, I would say the very first thing is to open up and pay pay attention to their inner voice. You know that inner critic. That is again the opening up to becoming aware. And so when you when you're able to notice what the inner critic is saying, and then the next step, once you're aware of it, start challenging it. What's actually true? You know, so when the inner critic wants to say, you know, oh, you're bad or wrong because you said no, it's okay, I hear you. And also what's actually true. Um, you know, I needed to say no for my own personal well-being. Now we know what's true. So now we can start shifting it and we don't have to be so judgmental of ourselves. Like we can recognize, well, I'm sad that that person's sad, right? I'm sad that they're not happy with me. And also that's not mine. Like that's theirs. That's not mine. And being kind to ourselves. Now, when you create this self-compassion, how does it play into stress and overwhelm? Well, stress and overwhelm comes from um, maybe over ruminating, overthinking, beating ourselves up. This leans into this idea of I'm not, I'm not good enough. So when we practice self-compassion and we're being kind to ourselves over judging ourselves, it allows for that fight or flight to come back down, right? Because when we're, when we're really negative, when we're stuck in that negative thought cycle, what we're really doing is pushing ourselves into that fight or flight stage. So the amygdala takes over, the prefrontal cortex shuts down. And so we are just literally about survival. When we stay in that, that zone, our cortisol levels rise and we are just, our bodies tense up and we are just stressed. When we can be kind to ourselves and we ask ourselves, okay, well, what did I learn? We, we quiet down the judge saboteur. We quiet down that inner critic. What that does is it takes us back down. It allows our prefrontal cortex to open back up. We're no longer in fight or flight. Now we can think about things differently. And in a sense, we're bringing all those, those stress hormones down as well. So self-compassion is is definitely a huge part in how we can manage stress and anxiety as well as overwhelm because what we're doing is we're allowing space for our creative minds to come in and say, can we think about whatever situation we're dealing with differently? That's great. So you're almost taking a step back and going, (laughs) taking a look at things, right? (laughs) Taking a step back, stop. (laughs) What's actually happening? (laughs) Because a lot of times, I mean, I'm an overachiever and I've actually slowed down a lot. But a lot of times when you are an overachiever, you don't take that time to slow down and you just keep going and going and going. When you feel stressed out and overwhelmed, you don't make the right choices. And it absolutely leads to burnout, right? Because you keep going, 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 and eventually it leads to burnout. And then you're just completely exhausted and you're not able to. And then, of course, the judge saboteur comes in even heavier, right? Like, yeah, you messed this up. You didn't do the thing. And so it's just this one big cycle. That's the problem with burnout too. Like I noticed when I was starting to go down this road to help people reduce their stress and burnout, people didn't want to talk about it because people were embarrassed that they didn't finish or they couldn't keep up or they needed help, you know, or look for different ways of doing things, you know, whether 
you are deleting things out of your list or delegating different things. What advice can you offer on that? Your point is is uh, such a great point because I do think a lot of people have trouble talking about it because of either being perceived as a failure or being perceived as um, like dropping the ball, right? Mm-hmm. And so really, truly, it comes back to that very simple question of what's actually true. Am I really a failure because I couldn't do, you know, the 12,000 things that were on my list? <laughs> or is it possible that what I did accomplish were successes and I can celebrate those? And it's about giving yourself permission to prioritize, right? So when you go down and you've got this list of things to do, it's asking yourself, well, what's really urgent and important? Because when if it's not urgent and not important, you can definitely give yourself permission to delegate those things. So, you know, it, it, the answer is, you know, multiple levels, but the very first part of it is asking, you know, is it really true? I deal with this a lot with um, individuals too, just in terms of relationships. When, in a re- when a relationship might be toxic, many people have a hard time acknowledging it and talking about it asking for help or just discussing it because they feel like somehow they'll be perceived as a failure. Like if they can't get their relationship to work, how could they do all these other things? And instead it's recognizing that we're, first of all, we're human. We're doing the best we can with whatever information is in front of us at any given time. Those are how we make our choices. And if a relationship is no longer a place where we can grow and and we're compl- and we don't complement each other anymore, that's not a failure on our part. It's just simply we no longer are able to grow together. So really what we do in those moments is slow down, like we've been talking about, and take a breath and observe and really ask, well, what's true about me? And what's true about me is that I have been showing up and I have been doing these things and I I I need to take a, you know, I need to take a step back. I can't go Mach 10 all the time. I've got to give myself permission to breathe and give myself permission to sit down. Why? Because as a self-full practice, we're filling ourselves up so that we can continue to keep going. Absolutely. Well, that was such amazing information. So we're going to start wrapping this up. Do you have any final words that you'd like to share with the audience? Um, just a piggybacking on what you just said about asking for help. It's really important, I think, for people to understand that asking for help does not mean that there's something wrong with you. It just means that you're practicing self-compassion and recognizing that as part of common humanity, it's okay to, to seek support and it's okay to ask others for their um, insights as well as just their support as you maneuver and navigate through this thing called life. And that's the thing. I mean, in this type of work, it's funny how people have that resentment. But, you know, if your plumbing blew up, you wouldn't be fixing that yourself. You know, even if you were going to fix it yourself, you would talk to someone who knows how to fix it. But people right. have that that blockage where they do. And, and I really wish that I'd love to change the world where, no, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. I just need a professional to help me through these stages. Mm, absolutely. You know, it's, um, yeah, you can't always YouTube it. <laughs> no, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, I understand you have a free download to give to our audience today. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, it's a free ebook. It's about 26 pages on limiting beliefs and how to overcome limiting beliefs. So hopefully um, if if people feel like they might be dealing with some limiting beliefs, they're able to go to my website, 
download it from there um, or just they have to put in their email address and it'll get emailed over to you. But um, hopefully they find that helpful. Wonderful. So community's information will be everywhere that you see this podcast or listen to this podcast or watch the video. So feel free to reach out and ask her any questions. So thank you so much for being here today. Wonderful information. Thank you so much for having me. Great. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Calm Your Daily Stress podcast. Have you ever wondered what your stress personality is? Are you a self-care goddess or a burnout queen? Well, you can find out by taking my free quiz. You just need to go to www.stressquiz.info to find out where you rank. Sending you love and peace, and I'll see you in the next episode.